Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There is a story for everyone here, because every story matters. Welcome everyone to the Storybooks. This is the place to be if you are a lover of stories, learning new and interesting things, and if you want to grow abundantly. My name is Jay Phantom, and I believe it's my purpose to help you realize your worth and become the greatest and best version of you possible. I am grateful that you're here today. Now let's journey into the story box together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. There are two powerful questions in your life that are connected and shape the direction of your future. Those questions are, what is your story and what is your passion right now? How you answer them both gives you a picture of your journey and a glimpse also into your soul. My guest today is truly a remarkable and special human being. He is kind, he is generous, thoughtful, And he has one heck of a story I think you guys are really going to love. Now, I'm going to ask you guys a question. This is a story box. So what is your story? Have you been comfortable enough with sharing it with your friends and your family? Well, this story in particular, I think is going to help you unlock something special within yourself to be able to share it with other people. His name is Jesse J. Bradley. At the age of three, he told his parents that he wanted to be a professional athlete, but his parents divorced when he was just seven years old. He became even more focused on academics and athletics during his teenage years. But after graduating from Dartmouth College with a degree in psychology, he was living out his childhood dream as a soccer goalkeeper. In Africa, he took a prescribed medication to prevent malaria, and it built up a toxic level uh, toxic levels in his system, more or less. He was fighting for his life for a year. It took 10 years to fully recover. During this time, his life was transformed in the deepest ways possible. His identity, his faith, his mindset, his habits, his career, and his relationships too. The greatest blessing Uh, as Jesse talks about, and growth in his life can emerge from the worst of situations. And I would have to totally agree with him on that front because I have experienced it in my own life. Jesse says, this is the grace of God and the hope he wants to spread into the world. The pain in his own journey has fueled a purpose in his own heart to see more people experience an abundant life. 
After denying God's existence throughout his own childhood, he never anticipated deciding to follow Jesus. Jesse is now a husband and dad. He's also a pastor of Grace Community Church in the greater Seattle area. He's an adoption advocate. He's adopted uh, his own child. He's also an author. He's a former professional athlete. He's a leader. He's an evangelist. And he's also a friend as well. So my friends, if you do get something from this conversation, and I have no doubt that you will, please, please share it around to all your friends and family. Let this one go absolutely viral and crazy. I really do appreciate each and every one of you that continue to show up and support the story box. Before we dive into the story box, I have some exciting news for you. So you guys know that I'm a big advocate on health and my own health has struggled over the years. And you've probably also listened to the conversation I had with Mary Ruth. Now, Mary Ruth is the founder of Mary Ruth Organics, and I am delighted to say that I have partnered up, partnered up with Mary Ruth uh, to give you guys a special offer, and that is if you go to any uh, maryruthorganics.com, I'll link everything in the show notes below for you, you can get any of their products for 15% off, which is insane. Uh, just use the code J15, that is J15 at a checkout for 15% off and go wild. These products are honestly insane. I personally love the uh, vitamin C gummies and the immune builder gummies as well as they have ultra digestive enzymes, which I do need because I ruined my gut. <laughs> but anyway, guys, go to the links in the show notes below. And if you do want to get a hold of your health, I highly encourage you guys to get some of their products for 15% off. Use code J15. All right, my friends, you know what time it is. It is time to journey with me into the story box as we listen to the incredible wisdom, the advice, and the stories of none other than Jesse J. Bradley. Thank you so much, Jay. It's a kind introduction. I appreciate you and especially your desire to share stories. Stories are powerful. I believe everyone's story is significant. I love to connect through stories. So thank you. It's an honor to be here. And thanks for everyone who's listening for taking time today. Well, you're a perfect guest to be on the story box, especially because you love stories and the way you show up in the world by sharing your story, especially. And I I would love to get into and unbox more about it in just a moment. Before I do, I don't know if you if you've listened to any of my conversations before, but if you have, you'd know what's coming. <laughs> uh, but my very first question to you is what does success look like for you? It's a great question. And I think there's a lot of layers to that because we all set goals and we have different areas of our lives at the core of it for me. And it's very important what your definition of success is. For me, it's faithfulness to God. And I never thought I'd say that because I didn't believe God existed. But at this point in my life, what I would say is that faithfulness to God is my North Star. And I believe that when that is your North Star, then that will lead to loving your neighbor and that'll lead to living a fulfilling life and using your gifts and serving people. And so that's how I recalibrate through the trials and challenges of life. I try to sort through the pros and cons and the options. I go back to that. It's like, all right, where does God want me? The relationships I'm in, what does it look like to honor him for his love to first receive it and then share it with other people? But I want to be faithful to God. At the end of my days, that would be, I think, the greatest compliment. 
You mentioned that you didn't think that you would say this sort of explanation as, as your version of success because you didn't believe in God for a period of time. And I wanted to ask you, when was the moment for you that you realized this exactly was success? I believe it was a catalyst moment. Is that correct? That's right. You know, I didn't grow up in a home where faith was a value. Uh, we just didn't believe in God. And so I didn't know much about Jesus, didn't read the Bible. I went to Dartmouth College, which is on the East Coast in New Hampshire in America. It's an Ivy League school. And I took a class, Introduction to World Religions. I wasn't seeking God. I was simply knocking out a distributive at the time. And we started to read the different texts. And I had hundreds of questions, literally. I had such a long list of questions because it was new. It didn't make sense. And we looked at all the different religions. It was the first time I read the Bible, Gospel of John, and it was compelling to hear what Jesus said, to see how he lived, and especially the resurrection. I knew at some point I would die, and I just thought, you know, biological decay, but this bold statement that he is the resurrection, there's life after death, I thought, okay, if I'm ever going to follow a religious leader and they claim to have victory over death, then I need to see that they're not in the grave because you can't just say that. You've got to show it, prove it. And that's what I dove into, that evidence. Uh, there's a bunch of different authors like Lee Strobel, Josh McDowell, Evidence That Demands a Verdict. C.S. Lewis had a big impact as well. Uh, he's known Chronicles of Narnia, but he wrote Mere Christianity. And he laid out something, Lord, Liar, Lunatic, where when someone claims to be the Messiah of the world, and a lot of people have, uh, Jim Jones, of course, led a cult. You know, it gets yeah. pretty weird there, off base. But Jesus made that claim. Now you can't just say he's a prophet or a good teacher. Now you've got to decide, is he liar out of his mind or is he the Lord? And I kicked the tires hard. I said, no, thank you for a year. But it came to that point where ultimately it was a relationship. And it's grace that what stood out to me, because a lot of the different religions and I come from a family, Baskin Robbins, 31 flavors spiritually. I mean, we have Jewish side of the family. Jesus was Jewish. We have a rabbi. We have Catholic, ex-Catholic, atheist, agnostic, a full range. And I knew I needed to make my own decision. And sorting through those different options and considering the evidence, it hit a point where my mind was satisfied with the evidence. And then it dropped 12 inches to my heart. And it's a relationship and it's grace that stood out. That so much of religion is... Uh, people perceive it as, you know, climbing, trying to, you know, get to the ladder of holiness and get high enough or rules, rituals, you know, all of this and grace flips it upside down that God loves us, knows us and pursues us before we ever respond to him. And it was this kindness and love, this relationship with Jesus that I said yes to God changed my heart. And when I made that decision, I like to say there's two sides to someone's life, kind of the outside story and the inside story. And at that point in my life, there was success with friends, grades, school, soccer, but the inside something was missing. And I had no idea what that was. And for a lot of people, they present on social media in one way on the outside, but they know deep down in the inside, something different is happening. And I could not figure out with all the boxes checked, what I thought was success, why there was still an emptiness. And when I found Jesus or Jesus found me, uh, that relationship happening, like that living water that truly satisfies. And there's been a song in my life that is just that I'm not musical, but that joy and that song has been there ever since. And it's not religion. It's it's Jesus in this relationship with him. So that was the game changer in my life. And that's why I can say now, you know, God is in my life and I do want to honor him and receiving from him his love, his encouragement his grace in my life, his forgiveness. And to know that this relationship's eternal, 
Like that's a security that I never had before I discovered Jesus. Yeah. I love that story. And the fact that you mentioned that being with Jesus is not a religion, it's a relationship. I think that is a very important distinction because for a lot of people, they see uh, Christianity as being a religion and it kind of leaves them with a sour taste in their mouth and humans have sadly uh, made religion uh, this this terrible thing with, and granted history, history books haven't fade, favored well <laughs> there either, uh, sadly, and, and Jim Jones and, and all those people. Uh, crazy story, by the way, if you want to listen or read up on that one. Um, but I'm, I'm curious about for people that don't believe that being with Jesus is a relationship with him anyway, they think it's a religion. How would you navigate someone through that conversation? Because it's not an easy conversation to have. Right. Well, speaking of boxes, it's like we need to shatter some boxes. Yeah. And you were never designed to be forced into a box. God doesn't fit into a box. And there are so many religious boxes that need to be shattered. Well, one that we see right now in America is that people compartmentalize faith into one hour, one building, one day. Yep. And we need to smash that. So instead of Sunday, it's every day. It's where I live, work, learn, or play. And I like the word abide. Abide when you think of an agricultural setting or vines and fruit and grapes. Well, there's a abiding, which means a closeness, a reliance, a trust. And this abiding with Jesus is a relationship. And you realize then that nothing can separate you from his love. And the primary piece is actually the receiving that comes first. And a lot of people think religion is doing and just be a good person and what you do. And actually the relationship is first receiving. And when you're abiding, there's going to be great fruit because I run out of love. I mean, I run love, even I love my kids. And sometimes I run out of patience and love. So I need a source greater than just myself and to receive, to abide. And when that happens, you come alive. And this relationship with Jesus, it's not boring and it's deep. It's not shallow. It's not just some rules. It's not just behavioral modification. It's the deepest transformation. And in laws, you know, they can regulate, but laws don't change the human heart. God's love changes the human heart. And it played out in my life in so many different ways. I had people I just didn't and couldn't forgive. And when I realized God forgave me, you know, my parents got divorced when I was seven and my dad was gone and out of the picture for so many years and I carried resentment. But when I received this forgiveness from God, I forgave my dad and there was a restoration that happened there. It just changed the way I viewed people. Instead of like tearing people down and being sarcastic, I started to think through how can I build people up and who can I serve? And there's just so many areas. I, I like the picture of a big house with lots of rooms and we all have different areas of our life. And when you invite God into your life and you invite Jesus as he knocks on the door of your heart, when you open up all those different doors, and a lot of people like to keep them closed, and it takes trust, relationships are a risk. But when you open it up, what I've found, and this is what I'll just say, is that Jesus actually leads me better than I can lead myself. Mm -hmm. And with his wisdom and love, the way he views people, the way he empowers like I trust him more than I trust myself. And daily, that's a decision because I want to wrestle back that throne and the control and the steering wheel. But I've seen the most fruit in my life when I'm truly following Jesus. And so let's shatter. All of us have misperceptions about God. That's constantly in my life as well. To have a clear picture of God, that's compelling. That's inspiring. 
And sometimes we've been taught things, we've experienced things. There's a lot of legalism in churches. There's a lot of harshness. There's a lot of hypocrisy. If we simply try to box God into one hour, we're going to end up with a double life and hypocrisy. And when you see that in other people, it gets ugly. It really does. And sometimes we live that out. We've got to apologize. Uh, this might not be the perfect metaphor, but Jesus has a song. And then people who follow Jesus are kind of sometimes like that garage band or that basement band. It's like the song, it's not quite, they're trying to do the cover, but it's not, they're not hitting the notes and the pitch is off. And the more we abide with Jesus, the more his song and his love and his light flow in our lives. And that's the daily decision. That's the invitation. And that's when you come fully alive and you're going to realize your potential. And really, you're going to treat people the way that it's not just going to be good intentions. You're actually going to have love to follow through with mm -hmm. loving people and loving your neighbor. I find it, I've always found it interesting how God knocks at the door of your heart, but Satan also knocks too. And quite oftentimes we allow Satan in because it's a lot easier. It's very enticing. It sounds a lot better than letting God in for some reason. And mm -hmm. we give Satan a seat at our table and we allow him to take control over our life. And what I've experienced, and I don't know about you, Jesse, is that that is not a good way to live one bit. <laughs> right. You don't feel at peace. You don't you you're living a lie essentially. And it's a lie that the devil has often created for you. And he's the, the deceiver. Like he is so good at creating this story around our life that we think is true when it's really not. So mm -hmm. we've got to kick Satan out. We've got to crush those boxes, if you will, like you, you I love that analogy. And we've got to allow God back into our life. And then we, we can have the most fulfilling life ever possible. And I really, really do believe that with everything that you just said. Yes. The enemy, Satan, the devil, demons, the darkness wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus comes to bring life and life abundant. The devil's an accuser to tear you down, to pull you away from God. Jesus has come to connect you with God. Jesus has come to heal and restore. And the devil does damage through lies. Jesus brings truth. God is a comforter. And you compare that and you think, well, who are we going to choose? But sin is tempting for all of us. It's like a chocolate covered poison. The first couple tastes, you're like, oh, this is good. This is good. And from the beginning in the Bible, Genesis, the devil's work is to say, did God really say and move you away from the word and trusting God in to entice you to sin? The devil can't make you sin. You choose, but the devil can tempt. God always gives a way out. And you can turn to Jesus. For a lot of people, maybe you've been believing the devil and doing some things that maybe people don't even know about. Like you haven't even shared them with anyone. They're kind of embarrassing. And I'll tell you, God can forgive all your sin. God can break strongholds. If you've had a root of bitterness and resentment towards someone for 20 years, you know, it could be 40 years even. I talk to people on their deathbed and they're still holding on to resentment. God can break that in Jesus' name. So the one who's in us, the Holy Spirit, is greater than the one who's in the world. And when you see the darkness in this world, don't be intimidated. Don't be scared. Don't be fearful. God doesn't give us a spirit of timidity, but power and love. And whether you, you know, wherever you're at, and there's a wide range of people listening, what the Bible teaches clearly is that God is one per 
person in three, three persons, one God. And, uh, you know, I almost messed that up just trying to describe it, but father, son, and Holy spirit, little mystery, little beauty, perfect unity, perfect community. And in this world, there is, and especially as you look at Jesus's return, which will come, uh, you have the devil, then you have the antichrist, and then you have a false prophet, a false Trinity. And the Bible says a devil masquerades as light. So not everything that appears good is good. Not everything that appears religious is actually healthy for your soul. We need to be discerning in these times. And you know, it's from Jesus, if it's true, if it's good, it's comforting, restoring, it brings life abundant. That's what Jesus is bringing to you. And we just need to turn down sometimes our own voice, turn down the lies in the culture and get still, slow down, listen to God, listen to Jesus and his word. He's spoken to you. It's a love letter. And we want to take time to listen to his voice. The voice that you value sets the trajectory of your life. And so reject lies. I like to say it's the power of the second thought. The first thought that comes in Okay, that sometimes is destructive, impure, mean, you know, is a lot of first thoughts, but you can reject that and choose intentionally the second thought, true, noble, good, and the battles won between our ears, the victory of the mind, and be intentional in that renewing of the mind. It comes from God's word, reject the first thought, reject the voice of the enemy, and then trust the good shepherd, trust Jesus. Mm-hmm. The idea of discernment and for people that are struggling at the moment to discern whether or not it is actually from God or whether it's from Satan, uh, what advice would you give to those people? Yeah, the Holy Spirit in the Bible always work together like a railroad tracks. They're always in alignment and they're always going the same direction. So if something contradicts the Bible, it's not going to be from God. There's a lot of half truths. You might even hear something on Christian radio or Christian television. And just because it's on Christian radio, Christian television doesn't mean it lines up with the word. For example, someone tells you that every Christian is going to be wealthy and healthy all the time. Well, actually you can love Jesus and not have a lot of money, or you could love Jesus and have a lot of money. I'm just saying there's a lot of common lies that are spread out there and you have to remove them. One lie can do so much damage just your view of yourself. It's so easy to be inflated or deflated. You can be inflated in the culture. You know, it tells you be full of yourself. Life is most fulfilling if it's all about you, whatever you want right now. And I'll tell you selfishness, self-consumption, it has a very low ceiling and it won't bring ultimate satisfaction or contentment. At the same time, a lot of people walk around deflated. They just feel like despair, discouragement. There's no hope. They're not gifted. They're not loved. And that's not coming from God. We want to have a healthy view of self and love our neighbor as ourself. In one little lie towards inflation or deflation can play out in so many areas of our life. But when you remove that, there's freedom, there's joy. You're who you designed to be. Now you're loving your neighbor. You're serving people. You're using your gifts and you're giving glory to God. You're thanking other people. There's collaboration and it starts to flow. And so stepping out of some of those traps and lies you're going to come to life because they hold us back. They all hold us back. We need to identify them, obliterate them, and move forward and trust God and be discerning. God will give you wisdom. James 1.5 in the Bible says, if anyone lacks wisdom, he gives generously to all. And my common prayer for people is three things. First of all, um, and these three all line up with, with C as well. First of all, it's clarity. And that's the wisdom and asking God for clarity in the decision. The second is courage, because when you know what's right, even if you do it, people might criticize you and throw shade. So you're going to need courage to blaze a new trail. And the last one's compassion, that you would love people well. Clarity, courage, and compassion. And ask God for those things. Pray that for other people. And God is faithful. Mm -hmm. Amen to that. 
when in your life, Jesse, when you least expected God to show up in a big way that he did and it challenged your perspective of who he is? Mm. You know, the one of the low points in my life is I played professional soccer overseas and I took a pro well, it was preventative in terms of malaria, but it had side mm. effects. It was a prescribed medication. And I was fighting for my life for a year. The physical side effects included major problems with my heart, tachycardia, which is racing heartbeat, 160 beats a minute, atrial flood or another significant abnormality, skip beats, heart murmur, pain left side of my chest. But the list went on from migraine headaches, and I never had those before, double vision, sweats and chills, I couldn't regulate my temperature. And then also emotional side effects from crazy dreams, you know, just really weird stuff. And then also panic attacks, waves of depression, all side effects of the drug. And trying to navigate through that storm as my career was ending, I had come back to America and, and trying to figure out what's next in my life. In that moment right there, I think we've all had some dark nights of the soul. And God revealed a couple things, you know, that he's still with me. And in the middle of that, he can come into the lowest points and the pain and the stress. I had this image of God that he was interested in my success. He liked it when I did well in school and sports. He liked it, you know, if I had a thriving career, he liked it, you know, when I was happy. But how do I connect with God when I choose sin or when I'm really at a low point in despair? And what God shattered for me was my coping mechanism, which is useful in some instances in terms of perseverance and trying harder and doing better, because we can learn from low points. And that is important to have perseverance. But God created something so much more full and wonderful. And that's instead of being in denial, and as an athlete, you know, you always try to present well and present strong, that God loves me in my weakness, his power is made evident in my weakness and I can let him in because he still loves me. I'm not going to surprise him or shock him with how I'm feeling and how I'm doing. So in my prayers, instead of just intellectual or theological, I learned how to pour up my heart to God. I learned how to take these burdens that were on me and then cast my anxiety on God and that he's strong, that he cares, that he can carry these things, that he wants to carry these things. And I started to experience a healing and a restoration and kind of a lightness that I wouldn't have had by just trying harder and white knuckle that thing. So God revealed his grace to me, his faithfulness to me and his ability to both um, meet me in those deep places and then also uh, sustain me through things that I just couldn't make it through alone. So is this one medication that caused all these problems. Now I can relate to feeling cause I've got an abnormally large heart. I've got a, my heart skips a beat, uh, which is, I think is pretty cool. Nonetheless, <laughs> <laughs> I own it now. Uh, I've yeah. had pericarditis twice, uh, but that wasn't from any medication that I'm aware of. Um, yeah, yeah. But I've also had, you know, night sweats. I've had these weird dreams and visions. I've always, this has been going on the last couple of months um, mm. of this year. So we're always wondering what's going on. And, you know, they found a number of things that I won't go into that, you know, didn't worry me because I knew first and foremost that God was ultimately in control and everything was going to be okay anyway. But I want to go to, the the area for you in a moment so how long were you on this medication for 
So I was on this vacation for many months, a full season of soccer. And when I came back to the US, you know, there was never any warning of side effects. And that's always good to find out when you're taking medication, what are the possible side effects? We paid out of pocket, went to a doctor who's in Stanford and the physician there listed 10 things that could be the cause of my illness. One of them was side effects of the medication. And when I heard that possibility, I just knew it in my spirit. That's what it is. Now, here's the decision really that saved my life. And I thank God, because at that time, the doctor said, keep taking the medication. Malaria can be manifest for another month. And they didn't want me to get malaria on top of my illness. And they thought, well, then you'll die if you get malaria. In addition to this, they advised me to keep taking it for another month. And well-intentioned friends said the same thing. But I prayed, and so often in life, it's that slowing down to listen to God. And I prayed, I asked for wisdom. And I sensed that gentle voice saying, don't take any more of the drug. Don't take any more. And I made a decision. And a lot of times go with your physician. I'm not saying, you know, just, you know, wild, wild west, do whatever you want and forget the the medical advisors. But in this particular case, I knew that I knew and I'd heard from God. And I said, I'm not going to take it anymore. And they were upset, but we had my blood sent to the center of disease control. They tested it. And then weeks later, they confirmed toxic levels of the medication. And if I would have keep taking that for another month, I don't think I'd be here on the podcast today. So that decision and the wisdom that God gave at that point, the courage that he gave to say, I'm not going to take it, that saved my life. And so it's important to listen to your body. It's important to listen to God. You know, listen to the physicians as well. Uh, his suggestion, of course, that's what it enabled me to start going down that road, that that's what the cause was. But I'm so grateful that God does communicate. He speaks to us through the word, but he also communicates to our heart and our mind. And when we pray and listen, it's not an audible voice. I don't hear a lot of audible voices, but the longer you get to know someone, like, you know, their communication, my wife right now, you know, early on, and I still miss some clues. But right now, like I can see her face and I know what's going on and I don't need a lot of words like I can read and I see what that means. And even if she says something, the tone of something tells me and we're just tuned in because we've been married for a long time. And it's like that with God. When you want to hear his voice, the more you want, the more he reveals, I believe. And you're going to make some decisions that are crystal clear. You're going to make some decisions that you just say, God, as best as I can tell, this is what you want. Show me if I'm off base. And you move forward in that. It's faith. It's faith. But valuing his voice, I guess that's the theme we've been talking about today. Yeah, stepping out in faith is not an easy thing to do, but it's definitely worthwhile in the end. I've noticed that and I've experienced it many times. And God saving your life, honestly, that is that that is amazing because uh, God saved my life on a number of occasions, even though I was some of the times I was so far away from him, it's not even funny. Uh, and you know, I didn't want anything to do with him and yet he still saved my life. So, you know, I, I say that I owe him everything and he owes me nothing and yet he still gives, he still provides and he's still a good and gracious and almighty God that, you know, I can, I can never thank enough for my life, my story and yeah, I think you feel the same way. <laughs> I, do, I do. It's moving. What you're saying is beautifully said, resonates so deeply with my story and heart. And Jay, I appreciate your transparency, your vulnerability. And I mean, I think that's why people listen in because you're opening up and having the conversation. It's got to be authentic. It's got to be real. And 
Um, that's what I feel like is happening right here. And we're just telling our stories and what's changed our lives. And it's the kindness and the grace of God. And it's powerful in any relationship, whether it's a friendship or marriage, when someone loves you so well and loves you, even at your low point or your worst point, and they still love you, it's it's an overwhelming, you're humbled and grateful. And I just know every day is a gift. I know that life is fragile. And I know that um, I just come alive when uh, I know that um our stories make a difference. We can serve people. We can see lives change. Like I wake up every day. I believe God sets for all of us every day things in our path where it's a conversation. It might be part of your job or it might be informal. It might be someone you pass by that's begging for food and you take them out to lunch. But every day we step into these opportunities that are on our path that God has laid out there. And I'm just so grateful. And I wake up excited because I know God's going to move and I know his love changes people's lives. Mm, absolutely, man. I love what you just said there. And I wanted to sort of ask you about your career as a, a soccer player, as a goalkeeper. Um, what what led you to being a, a soccer player and a goalkeeper? And <laughs> what was the story behind that? Yeah, they say goalies have to be a little bit crazy. It's an unusual <laughs> position. I tell my kids, you know, who are all playing soccer. I didn't force them. Two of them are more into it, too. It's just kind of casual. But I say there's 10 other good positions. You know, just enjoy the, some of those and get some exercise. I was a basketball player. The soccer team needed a goalkeeper. And the coach saw my hand-eye coordination. He just thought, that's a goalkeeper. <laughs> And in America, uh, we produced a lot of great goalkeepers over the years, even when our national team isn't in the upper echelon. I think because of that hand-eye in America, that coordination piece, it's essential as a goalkeeper. And ever since I was three, I wanted to play professional sports. I grew up on the college campus, the University of Minnesota, and I'd go to the games and I just told my parents in preschool, that's what I want to do when I grow up. And, you know, I, I basketball was my passion. And sometimes in life, you might have a passion, but then your gifts are actually a slightly different area. And <laughs> to keep playing, it's like, all right, I'm really made and wired to be a goalkeeper. And I enjoyed it thoroughly. Soccer is the number one sport across the world. International friendships, I still play today. And I build relationships with people from all different nations and ethnicities. And it's called the beautiful game. I'm connected now with Seattle Sounders, Faith and Family Night too. And uh, I, I'm grateful that soccer ended up being the sport because sport is really just uh, kind of a platform to learn about life. And yeah. then it's really about relationships. And I, I don't remember all the games and the scores and, you know, I'm grateful for the championships, but it's the relationships I still keep in touch with. We call, we text, we Zoom. It's those relationships that last. And soccer was, was a lot of fun. Uh, sports, for me, you know, I go back to when my parents got divorced. It was just a joy to play sports. And the enjoyment just never stopped. There were times as a goalkeeper, I put too much pressure on myself. Mm -hmm. And goalkeepers in soccer, there's not much scoring. So if you make one mistake, you might lose 1-0 and everyone knows who made the mistake. <laughs> a midfielder makes 10 mistakes, no big deal. A goalie, you can't make one mistake. And I would sometimes put too much pressure on myself. But actually, when I came to know God, uh, it put soccer in its place, that soccer could be something I could enjoy again, but I, it wasn't everything and it wasn't my identity. And that was a big shift. Instead of my identity being my performance and what I do or achieve, no, for any of us, uh, your identity is not what you do. Yeah. And I, you know, I, my soccer career ended. So then I wrestled with, well, who am I? 
well, soccer doesn't define me. It's not my identity. It's not where I find my worth. And that shift for me in identity is a choice where you put your confidence. And it's like dropping an anchor. And the anchor shifted from my achievements to this relationship with God where I'm loved and no one can take it away. And when that happened again, there was that security. So I was able to enjoy the sport more, enjoy the people more, took some pressure off. And I just say for any athletes out there, don't put too much pressure on yourself. Your performance doesn't, it doesn't define you. If you go down that road, I call it a performance trap and you'll either end up in pride because you do well and you know, you believe all the headlines or you end up in shame because you blew it and now you're down on yourself and neither place is healthy. And, and so, yeah, soccer is a gift. I enjoyed it thoroughly. I, I like what you said about the identity aspect of things. And I often say to people that, because I thought that my purpose and my identity and my worth was wrapped up in me becoming a filmmaker one day and my love for film and, and stories and everything. I just wanted to do that. And if I wasn't doing it, I felt like I wasn't achieving anything good. Uh, I, I wasn't really worth anything in society. And I think culture has conditioned a lot of people to think that way, go to university, you get this, and then somehow you're suddenly worth something. Mm-hmm. including your pay packet as well. But yeah. I, I now know and I realize after going through a very crazy experience in 2019 or all the events that led up to that, that my worth or everyone's worth should never be in anything that they do. It is found ultimately in who they are, their character, their beliefs, because what have you got? If you look at it from the standpoint of what have you got left if they take away your work. They take away all those things. That's what have right. you got? You've got yeah. yourself. And yeah. you that's the most important thing. You matter. Your story matters. All the things that you've been through, good, bad, ugly, doesn't matter. It all matters. You know, so that's you right. take you take that with you uh into your job, not the other way around. People often think that the job takes them to make them who they are, but it doesn't work like that. Um, so that's, that's what I realized. And that's the power of your story, Jesse, as well in sharing this same truth for people and you including God in the mix. And I love saying to people too, and now I'm going on a little bit of a tangent here, but I love talking about this. It is, there is no greater purpose than a God given purpose. And once people realize that their life will be more fulfilled, they'll be more joyful and they will have a contentment unlike any other. Yes, that's right. So many people are searching, what is my purpose and that passion, how to connect them together. We have a lot of appliances at our house and we have some challenges sometimes with the appliances. And who do we call when we face those challenges? We call the maker of the appliance and we've got questions and we are all made. We're all loved. We're all made in God's image. We're not an accident. We're not random. And I believe we're even knit together in our mother's womb. God knows us that intimately. And so when we're trying to discover purpose, uh, yes, sometimes read books, have conversations, do all that. But ultimately, no one knows us better than our maker. And what it really protects us from also is an inflated or deflated view of self again, where we're either full of ourselves and a lot of people, 
they go that direction and it's easy in our culture and social media. And they say, all right, enough about me. How about you? What do you think about me? You know, it's like, everything's about them. And the other way is just deflated and I'm not gifted. I'm not loved. And there's no hope. And it's like, God protects us from those things. And that serving again is, is life giving that purpose. I, I like to ask the questions to people. What are your gifts? Some people don't know their gifts. You, you can tell by what brings you joy, what other people mm -hmm. affirm people know you well, they're going to say it. Another one is if you had all the money and money was no issue, like you've got hundreds of millions of dollars, what would you do? How would you spend your time? Uh, another one is at the end of your life. What do you want said about your life at your funeral? And these are ways to think through that purpose. But I believe that closeness to God, what you're going to discover is that you're uniquely made. No one's made like you. So don't try to, you can have mentors, but don't try to be like someone else. And then have security in how God's made you. Just have joy in that. And when you feel weak, his power is going to help. But then your greatest gifts are going to meet at the intersection of other people's needs. And so often for me too, it ties to your story and your experiences. And the lowest points, the most painful points of my life are the same pain points that people have. So when I, you know, have walked through my parents getting divorced, my compassion has grown for people who don't have a parent or are seeing their parents get divorced. And I connect and I'm able to speak life into that situation. And our family, we've adopted because I know what that's like um, in terms of, you know, not having a parent around. And I want every kid to have a forever family. So I believe that out of our deep pain points come a passion and it fuels a passion. No one ever told me about God and his love. And so I don't force anyone, but I love to share that message. Uh, there's a lot of things that we go through. Um, the compassion I have for people who have panic attacks because I never had those. And then the drug brought that. And it's like, well, I had to learn. How do you walk through that? Well, I want to help people walk through that. So God can redeem and your lowest points of despair uh, God can use that in what you learn there to connect with other people, to grow that compassion, and then to help people with what they're struggling with. And, and all of this is, is part of God's design. I believe like what the Bible says, there's a guy, Joseph, and his family mistreated him, but the Bible says God was with him. And then he was falsely accused. God was with him. He was thrown into prison, injustice. God was with him. People made promises. They didn't follow through. God was with him. And ultimately at the end of his life, God used him to save many lives. And he said, although they meant it for evil, God turned it in for good. Yeah. And let me tell you, his purposes are good. You can trust him. Yeah. If you look at all the stories, well, pretty much all the stories in the Bible of who God has used for his glory, it is the people that have failed the most, usually. It yes. is the, the most ordinary, average people, ones that have even questioned God and God has still used them. Moses, for example, he had a speech impediment. He didn't believe yet. God yeah. showed him every single time why he should believe. And right. um, same with Joseph as well. I mean, yeah. all these sure. amazing people, people, Peter doubting Peter. Um, yeah. Did not, Paul killed people. I mean, yeah. murderers, David, adultery. I mean, his grace is greater than our sin And who God doesn't use is self-righteous religious people. That's yeah. not where you're going to see his grace. He gives grace to the humble, but the proud, he resists. No. Yeah, he resists. And none of us want to be in a tug of war going against God. And, and no, humble, let's receive his grace. And uh, your story's not over. And if you don't feel like there's much hope, I just want to tell you the best is yet to come. Mm -hmm. And all, all you do is invite God in 
and then watch what he can redeem, restore, and heal. And I've seen it over and over again. Couples come into my office. They're both like just bent on divorce. And then they open their hearts to God and there's restoration in their marriage. You know, some people have really blown it and God humbles them. They apologize sometimes to their kids and there's a restoration that happens. Uh, some people, you know, I talked to two guys this weekend coming out of prison, but you know what? They started living for God. Now they're out of prison and they're living for God in this relationship is vibrant. And I'm excited what's going to happen now in their lives. So don't let anyone have the final say. And uh, your failures don't define you. Your past doesn't define you. We don't live in the past. Today's a new day. God brings a reset. God does his greatest work in the most difficult times. And you just receive from the Lord his love today. Before I ask you the final question, Jesse, love this conversation, by the way. Where do you want people to connect with you and learn more about you? You know, we started a website during COVID because we saw like the pain in marriage. So we made videos and it's all free, uh, hopefully not because it's low quality, but simply because we care. We want people to have the content. So there's a video series on marriage. There's one for a practical roadmap for hope, because as I was describing, when my life was just falling apart, there was a verse. Jesus said that if you abide with him, your house will be like a house on the rock, not the sand. And that redirected my life because I knew my house was like a house on the sand and I wanted that house on the rock. And so we've laid that out in a practical roadmap. All that to say, jessebradley.org is the website. All the social media connections are there too. And if anyone wants to reach out, I'm honored to continue the conversation. I'll make sure everyone knows where to find you. My final question for you, Jesse, this is my all-time favorite question. I ask everyone at the end. It's a hypothetical one, but I want you to imagine with me for a moment that you've been able to reach the age of 100. All your friends and your family have decided to put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how in the world they got it all. We'll just call it magic for the sake of argument. They've been able to get it and show it to you on your 100th birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life? Wow. That would be something to watch. Uh, I would say my most honest answer is that I would um, share Jesus with people because uh, I feel like I'm one thirsty person that found living water that just wants to tell other people where they can find it. And again, nothing manipulative there. I just want everyone to have the opportunity to know how loved they are by God. And so if I could share that, and I pray that my life would back that up so it wouldn't just be words, but it would be how I lived. And, uh, you know, I, I like what Kerry Newhoff says, too, that the people who know you best are most grateful for you. And I got to say, sometimes as a pastor, it's easy to bring leftovers home to my family instead of like really being there for them. So I just pray I have a good balance there. And, um, and my kids would know how much I love them, too. So, uh, yeah, lo love, you're not going anything greater than love. So um, loving our neighbor and uh, and I just um I'm so grateful for Jesus and I'm thankful for this opportunity just to share freely because um, that doesn't always exist. And I just thank you if you don't follow Jesus for taking some time and even listening to this story. I really appreciate it. Well, we all need more love in this world, especially right now. And Jesse, I just want to acknowledge your story and acknowledge everything that you've said today. Uh, loved every single minute of it. And I just want to say thank you so much for your time and for your grace. And the audience doesn't know, but I stuffed up the other week. And I just want to say thank you that we're able to make this happen and for joining me on the Storybox podcast today.
It's a wonderful time. And I love it that we're connecting from different nations because one of my prayers is that we would come together, different ethnicities, nations, we would remove those barriers and we would unite together. And I've just seen that in our own church. Like now we have people from many ethnicities and nations. And as that's happened the last few years, like it's so much more rich. And so to connect, yeah, Seattle to Sydney, it's a lot of fun. And thank you so much, Jay. Appreciate what you do, your heart, your style. It really comes across and uh, just keep up the good work. I really don't like this part because it means that sadly we have come to an end of yet another story. I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guests today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired, motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you would like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the story box on all podcast platforms. It is that easy. And if you did get something from today's guest, please do share it around with your friend or family member who you feel could benefit from hearing today's story. And before you go, I greatly appreciate it if you could spend 30 seconds leaving a rating review over on Apple Podcasts. It goes a long way to reaching more people and building this community of the Storybox. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one you heard today. Your support is always greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the story box, I'm Jay Phantom, and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you then. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.